You're listening to highlights from the Creative Process interview with John Powell. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. My father was a musician, so I was kind of surrounded by it from a very young age. But it wasn't until I was seven, heard one particular piece of music, um, called the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto in E minor. Um, and it it just set something going in my brain where it, it, I'd answered, not answered, but it spoke at another layer, of, no, another layer of communication, another level that I had been probably as a seven-year-old stumbling to try and find the language for. Uh, and here was something that I completely understood. I knew exactly what was being said on, in a much deeper way than I had ever heard in any other communicative system. Um, so, in the language that I, you know of English that I could speak at age seven, which was probably okay. I wasn't a stupid child, but uh, you know it would have felt like that was very limited compared with what I heard explained to me in a kind of a more uh, esoteric way admittedly Mm -hmm. um i mean i'm not saying that i can i can't draw a line between you know language really and music it's too um it's too disparate Mm -hmm. but there are so many levels of human communication in it that i hear feelings obviously imagery a sort of indescribable warmth chills all of these kind of words we try to use to to explain the feelings but the communication is very clear when music is good it's very clear you hear a story that is a, a four-dimensional story and I think that probably set me up as well for, and I never really intended it, but set, set, set me up for working within cinema as well. Because I, and I didn't really know what I was doing in cinema and in storytelling uh, until a lot later in my career. And then my storytelling is much more connected with my understanding of music than I ever realized. The education that I got of literal storytelling, I found to be come now much more useful as I write music that has no literal story to it. <laughs> Age seven, I hear this piece of music and I immediately, am I able to understand it completely? Everybody in the world can understand music. That's the great thing about it. You, yes. you get from music something very deep or very simple or very complex or whatever you need, whatever you want to take from it. It's wonderfully vague and you get something from it. So the question has been since then is, what the hell is that? <laughs> One of the things I've always said is that I, I understood hear music. I, I, you know, it's like a language you can understand immediately with almost no effort whatsoever. But I've spent, you know, 45 years, 48 years trying to speak it. Mm-hmm. And I still don't really know how to speak it. I'm still s- struggling to try and find the language, a, a way of explaining what I want to say with music. So the manipulation of music to say what I want much harder than understanding it, thankfully, which is why it's such a universal language. We can all understand it. Mm-hmm. So, but the, to come to the actual sort of technical question of what is music, mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've, I've thought a lot about it. Birdsong is an interesting evolu- 
you know, evolutionary function. It gave some species a mutation to be able to sing and make calls to mates, to be attracted to mates in a way that was after colors. So, you know, birds became, or bird-like animals became colorful to attract mates. It was a useful sexual kind of attraction. And then you could do that over, I don't know, several hundred yards. Um, and lo and behold, if you, if you made a noise that was attractive, if you made melody, um, then you could attract a mate over 800 yards in the jungle. So you actually got an evolutionary advantage from it. Our brains developed in a way that you can tell that if you throw a spear where an antelope is going to be, you will hit the antelope. Um, that's a, an actually a really fundamental, fundamentally difficult thing for, mm -hmm. uh, for us to have calculated. And it's basically be able to tell what the future is. And, and it's be able to tell that seasons will come. And it's also be able to tell that we will all die. You know, that's the original sin, is uh, knowledge of death. Uh, no other animal has that. I mean, I'm sure there are people who can say that there are other, other animals that, that know that. But do they, they all know to survive, but do they know that, can they communicate that they will, they're at a point they will all die? Um, so all of these brain functional developments, I think, brought with it some kind of vestigial mass of calculations that are possible, which when you put in frequencies that can be divided, amplified and organized against each other, music then becomes a mixture of the rhythms of our life, rhythms, plus the melodies of speech and communication, plus this other thing, which is harmony. It was George Miller, who I worked with on Happy Feet, um, was the one who kind of really gave me a, a, a really great education in, <laughs> in storytelling. And, mm -hmm. and he talks about it as being, you know, 50,000 50, years of dreaming. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is a, it's a, if you think about how we always told stories, it's probably the equivalent of psychiatric sessions together mm -hmm. um, where we all, we all talk about the same problems, you know, and we do it by use of the hero character, which we either identify with or, or um, empathize with in some way. And uh, that hero character is us. And it could be multiple characters simultaneously in a, in a story, or it can just really be the one. We can see the echoes of our own lives in these stories. We can see how these characters um, suffer and fight for the same things, or, f or we feel that they're the same things. But cinema has, has figured out a way of, of setting up a language and timing of editing that now has become a second nature to us. We, we really understand it fundamentally in the same way that music, you know, understands tension and release and color, the right language at the right time, you know, and that by language, I mean, any of the languages, visual, art, you know, art movement, anything, they all, they all pull in enough on their own to be able to tell the right story when the story is, is elegantly done. You can look at one painting and you get everything. You can look at one, you can read a book and get everything. You can watch, what's her name, Bausch. I remember watching. Oh, yes, Pina Bausch. <laughs> yeah. yes. Pina Bausch, you know, uh, on television. On television, not even live. I remember yeah. watching on television and just getting everything. It's stunning. So for a film like Born, perhaps, I decided that 
the reason the score is so minimalistic uh, is perhaps that it's a, it's about uh, being lost. It's about somebody who who comes into the world um, lost, not knowing who they are. It's an action film. It's all that sort of stuff as well. But if you look at the core of it, it's about loss of history, loss of your history, loss of where where your roots are. Where, why are you here? You know, it's it's a fundamental question. You know, one of the easy things about working in film compared with trying to write away from film is that if you look, if the filmmaker is good, you look into their film and the story is there and a lot of things are there. It's the character, the the discoveries of life and death are all there. So you get a lot of inspiration from that. And yes, it can be about rhythms and it can be about editorial rhythms, but it can also be about speech rhythms and movement rhythms. Yes. So I, I did find one, you know, a few years ago, I finally got to meet Matt Damon, which I, I, didn't, I didn't know him, and I got to meet him very briefly. And, and I did say to him, you know, I had almost based my entire career on watching your ass walking away, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he had a, he had a, there was a visual language that he got into the character, and Doug Lyman got into the camera work following him a lot of time. Uh, and this was one of the things that Doug said to me is, look, you know, I remember doing an action scene at the bank and he's, you know, he's escaping the bank. Yeah. You know that scene? Yeah, okay, I know. So it's a great fight first, scene. Yeah. Yeah. The first time I did it, it was kind of fast. Yeah. It was kind of energetic and fast. And Doug said to me, what, what's with this? I said, I said, well, you know, I'm just trying to get as much tension out of this. He goes, yeah, but look at him. So I, I what, what's going on? He goes, he's walking. He's walking. I said, what do you mean he's walking? He goes, he's not running. He's walking. Now, what he meant was, despite not knowing who he was or why he had these skills, there was a built-in physicality to his, his authority. And he had authority in the scene to do what was coming to him that moment. If I did the music too fast, you, you, make, it into, you make him panicked. He's not panicked. His body isn't panicked. His, his mind is, but his body isn't panicked. So I think what we got to do there, and I, you know, I didn't really realize at the time, was we scored his body, but his head was, we didn't score his head. We, we wrote the music for his body. His body was saying, I know what I'm doing, trust me. But his head was like, what the hell is going on all the time? So I, I think what I did was I slowed all of the music right down Mm-hmm. And and that was because of his walk and because of the way he moved and this this kind of visualization of part of his character of, of his of the duality of his character. Uh, I mean, at the time, you don't really think these things through terribly. Uh, I think if you at the times when I have intellectually been able to kind of figure stuff out instantly, it's probably a bit. Um, it's a bit of me trying to find something that isn't there. When it just comes, you just react. When it's there, you just react, I think. So trusting your instincts on these things are very useful. And But part of the instinct obviously came only because the director was able to communicate in a very important thing to me. Yeah. You know, our lives are built on the stories of a hundred thousand generations. Mm-hmm. Um, and further back, if you want to, if you, if you believe in evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and those stories are common across the, you know, the world. They're common to everybody. And people 
will resonate the right way if you find the right bit of story that that has the ancient links i think mm. that works on the fundamental not the surface and so when i met hans zimmer all i did was try and be really creative in front of him uh, i didn't really care whether it fitted or not whatever he was asking me to do i was just trying to sort of show off creativity um and it worked he liked that he did like that i, did, I was trying not to sound like him which he liked you know, he didn't want to hear himself, especially when you're trying to be interesting. You're trying to be original. And, you know, so trying to be original sets up barriers for yourself. Um, and if you, but if you're not, if you don't have that set requirement of yourself to not be the same as everybody else, you will be the same as everybody else and you won't be very interesting. So it's a, it's a, it's a paradoxical state you're in. So trying to, trying to get yourself you know, laterally out of it, I think is what I learned with uh, Glenn Morgan, what's his name, wonderful, wonderful American gentleman um, living in London. We, we, we all experience the same losses and griefs and, you know, whether it's building a pyramids or building the Empire State Building, they are, they use the same sort of bunch of characters, uh, the people who, who comes up with an idea and pushes it all the way through to the end. Now, whether that's through a democratic kind of persuasion or whether it's through tyranny <laughs> it's you still have that character and then the people who actually do the work and the lives that are lost you know I, i'm always sad that i never learned a second language i mean I, was, uh -huh. I, I feel very very minimalized by the fact that i only have one language but I've, fortunately i've had this other very important language which is music which i've been learning to speak and that is a it's it's like a four-dimensional language that mm -hmm. i think people would benefit from in a way that will probably pay such dividends and and has done has done i mean i think we see that we see the results of the fact that art is still going that people are so creative i think this is all a result of of every generation still at least getting a chance to understand music and being and being invited into it because it's such an it's such an extraordinarily um important part of, of our world and the, the more we deny that the, the the greater the danger is that we will lose our we will lose our our hearts you know to to existence as opposed to life we hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast to listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews click on subscribe thank you for listening